Yes, uh, thanks to Garrards. Let's talk to Mick Gearan first up, leading New Zealand journalist. He knows everything about harness racing uh, when it comes to not only New Zealand, but also Australasia. And I want to get his thoughts maybe on a couple of these horses that we should be maybe putting our coin on, so to speak, at Ballarat for the first round of Inter-Dominion heats on Saturday night. So we go Ballarat on Saturday night, Shepherd and Tuesday, and then we go to Geelong next Saturday and the finals the following Saturday, December 10 at Melton. Mick Gearin is with us. How are you, Mick? Steve, I'm great, mate. I'm, I'm going to miss the first round. I'm not going to make it to the rat on Saturday night, but I get into Victoria uh, on Tuesday. So Shepparton to me, which will be a first. I've, I've never been to Shepparton. I've probably been to 15 harness racing tracks in Victoria. Then off to Geelong and then back to Melton, one of my spiritual homes for the finals of what's going to be a very... Very unusual series, very even series for the paces, Steve. I don't think there's a dominant horse there, and you can make the case that maybe the two best paces in Australasia, maybe even four of the top five aren't there. The trotting series has a dominant favourite and a clear best horse in the bolt for brilliance. The question is whether the best version of him will turn up not only at Ballarat this weekend, of course, but at Shepparton, Geelong, and into Melton for December 10. But, of course, no copy that, no self-assured, and no rock and roll do. And that's a question mark over the series, is is $500,000 enough to get your best horses? The answer to that is at the moment, no. And it's only the sixth richest pacing race available to horses in Australasia in the next 12 months. Well, that's not good enough for an Inter-Dominion. So like some races we've seen with galloping in the past, either you keep up or you fall behind. And at the moment, Steve, I think there needs to be an injection of funds to the Inter-Dominion. I know it's easy to say. It's not my money to spend. But I think to make it as relevant as it should be uh, financially to match the historical nature of it, we need to see a million-dollar final in the next couple of years where it's been before and past that number. So that's the reason we're missing so many of the big guns. Yeah, I think the consensus in it appears to have lost its mojo a little bit. I think that's a fair comment. And how do you what do you think about this taking this to the, those provincial tracks? As I mentioned like Ballarat and Shepherd next week, and then the you know the, the Geelong meeting Saturday week. How, how do you feel about that taking it around to those country and provincial centres? I think it really works for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you have it four nights at Melton, no one goes. We we've done that. We had the last time we had four nights at the same place was. Alexandra Park in New Zealand about three years ago and gee Steve it's a real stretch getting people to go for the second and third night they go the first night they go to the final they just don't care um, you know it's, it's even hard to get people to go to four days of, of the Melbourne Cup Carnival and you know that's obviously a far bigger deal I think by taking it to the regions you engage those regions where there's a lot of land people and a lot of horse people and and you give them the chance to say hey you know, I, I saw Bolt for Brilliance when I was younger. I saw Captain Ravishing. I saw these horses. And, and you can engage a wide array of places and also tap into their local media, into their local sports clubs, into different audiences. I think if you keep it in the same place, it gets stagnant very quickly. And the other thing, crucially, is most of the people who are going to end up being the best harness racing trainers, or in fact, if we even go to the gallops, most of the people who are going to be the best jockeys in Queensland or New South Wales or Melbourne are going to come from the regions. Most jockeys don't grow up in cities. They don't grow up in Brisbane. They don't grow up in Melbourne. 
you know, they grow up in the regions. And if you want to say to harness racing people, I remember seeing Captain Ravishing when I was eight years old and I fell in love with harness racing, which is a story many of us have. You know, you probably got into the media because you fell in love with the horse when you were a teenager. Exactly. And I think when you have those opportunities and you take it to the regions, then those people from the regions are more likely to be your next leading trainer. There's not a lot of James Cummings that's floating around. There's not a lot of people who grew up in Sydney and decided to become great trainers. There's a lot more Kieran Mars. So I think it's important you do that to bring on not just the next generation, but two generations away of those people. So while some people don't agree with it, I saw the benefit of it last year in New South Wales, and I truly believe taking it to the regions has long-term payoff for the industry. Mick, just on a horse you just mentioned a few times, and we touched on it earlier in the week with Chris, and I replayed Dan Malecki's wonderful call, make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. That performance was one of the you know best performances I've seen, just watching harness racing, not like you, watch it so closely, but to do what he did, sit outside, then brain them and run that, you know, what did he run? Tick over 151 for the mile rate was extraordinary, Captain Ravishing. Where do you sit, rate that performance? I think he's very good, Steve. I, I think harness racing is at a divide at the moment between our absolute speed horses, the flying machines, uh, and the horses who can rough and tumble and, and can stay and will win more big races because of that. And that, that divide could be best summed up as the New Zealand Cup and the Miracle Mile. You have New Zealand Cup horses who can win over two miles, and you have Miracle Mile horses, and very rarely these days are they going to be the same horse. For example, Black's a fake never won a Miracle Mile, even though he's clearly the best horse in a Miracle Mile. Lazarus never won a Miracle Mile. On the Mighty Quinn never won a Miracle Mile. So Captain Ravishing's a perfect Miracle Mile horse. American blood by Captain Ravishing, a lot of them are a bit nutty, but they love to run. And when you let them run, like the American Gallopers, they're unbelievable. Would the American Gallopers be quite so good at Ascot when you're running up and down and you're running on undulating tracks? It's been proven they probably aren't and definitely not at staying distances. That's where harness racing is finding itself at the moment. And that's why when you look at Captain Ravishing last week, you say to yourself, well, there's not a horse in Australasia could do that. Ironically, three starts earlier, he sat parked outside Leap to Fame and couldn't beat him in the derby. And that's that divide. And that divide is going to become even more pronounced as we breed. But most importantly, train the horses differently. Some people heat train their horses and work them very quick. They might train two heats of a mile on the same day. That teaches the horses that mile racing is the thing to do. There's a lot of that in Menangle. Then again, there's guys like Grant Dixon, who are more likely to work their horse over 2,400 metres, or the New Zealand trainer's case, 3,200 metres. And that increases their stamina. And what we're seeing is that divide, and Captain Ravishing is a perfect example of that divide, because, as I said, everybody who saw it, best pacer in Australasia, Yet three starts ago, he was not just beaten, but thrashed by another three-year-old. So that divide's really important for punters because you don't want to go backing the wrong horse and the wrong type of race to Yeah, I think he runs next. He has a freshen up in a race called the Bonanza in uh, Victoria before going to the Chariots. And as you know, Leap to Fame's resting at the moment. We'll see him start to trial up about April of next year for the Queensland Carnival. Just as we turn back to the, the weekend with these Inter-Dominion heats, is there one in particular that you, you're really keen on? I see Mac Dan short in, in heat one, race five, and then you've got 3.30 about Zeus Bromac and 3.60 Honolulu Bay and so on. Is there one in particular? Um, the, cru the, crucial part's the, the crucial part, Steve, is the intent. I mean, there's heat Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So who wants to get involved and give their horse a headache? 
uh, in each round. And you've just got to pick that. You've got to listen to the media. There'll be lots of media with Trots, Vision and Sky. And you've got to say to yourself, who's having a crack tonight or who's happy to go parked and get as many points as they can? That's the crucial part to the entire thing. Let's not forget, one of the great Inter-Dominion horses, Lazarus, got beaten in two heats in Perth before winning the final on a cakewalk. Blacks of Fake was beaten in Inter-Dominion heats. That intent is crucial, so listen and try and work it out. Horses with good draws tend to win heats because they don't need to work too hard, and no one wants to do anything silly. The most interesting horse for the entire night is Bolt for Brilliance. That's the only New Zealand representative, and I'm not saying that biasly. The reason I'm saying he's the most interesting horse in the series is He's by far the best trotter. He had a lung infection two weeks ago, and I didn't think he would go. And Tony Hurler, he said to me, and here's a quote for you from a great horseman, I wanted any reason to not take him. I searched and I searched for reasons to not take him because I don't want to take a horse who's below his best. He said, I couldn't find one. Even after the lung infection, I couldn't find one. I've got $100,000 races at home. I just had to take him. Now, he gets up against Majestioso in race three at Ballarat, which is the second of the trotting heats. Majestioso may well lead, and Tony has no reason to eyeball them. I think they'll just sit there. They'll sit there and jog around and sprint 800 metres, and that's how a lot of these Inter-Dominion heats can be. And I think Majestioso's got a great chance of beating Bolt for Brilliance, but Bolt for Brilliance will win the final on December the 10th if he brings his best New Zealand form. If he brings his best form he'll win it in a cakewalk. And that sums up the Inter Dominions. Wow. It's not just about the heats and the... Fo- that they, there'll be progression. What happens on the first night of an Inter Dominion, invariably a week later, Steve, is no longer real. <laughs> it's a very bizarre mm. series like that, particularly when they're that even for the paces. The paces will come down to barrier draws. Simple as that. So no, no need to be into the futures now. That's just silly. But with the trotters, if the best version of Bolt for Brilliance turns up on December 10. They won't see which way he mm, Got me looking forward to this race on Saturday night, then in particular the final, but they dominate the market. Majestic Oso is 2.15 and Bolt for Brilliance at 185. We're going to play one of his recent wins as we go out this morning, but thanks for joining us, Mick, and, um, and we'll look forward to your commentary. Of course, Brittany Graham will be on track. She's actually got a representative in <laughs> driving a horse uh, early in the night there as well. Uh, Brittany, of course, well, the, for the, her sister. The people at, people at Sky said to me, they said, we might need you to come. I'm actually doing trots because you want to over there, Steve. And they said, we might need you to come host Sky for one race on Grand Final. I said, well, what for? And they said, well, Brittany might be on the track with her horse. I said, look, I'm happy to help it anyway. I'm here to drive turnover. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Britt's a wonderful, wonderful, talented young lady, and she's from a good family. So a lot of people were behind her. I think it's an incredible thing to have the ability to do both those things on the same night. So unfortunately, Steve, you might get that very beautiful face replaced by mine for one, one race on grand yeah. final night. Majestic <laughs> Harry's the horse we're talking about. It's a $26 chance in race four. That's heat three of the trotters there. Thanks for joining us, Mick. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Garrard's this morning. Always a pleasure, Steve. I'll talk to you during the series. Mick Guerin. 28.8 Sacred Mountain. Bolt for Brilliance is right there for a look now. Tony leans forward just a little bit and Bolt for Brilliance goes up. Goes to the lead now over Sacred Mountain. They open up by four. King's Landing. Then came She Reigns. Call Me Trouble. Back on the inside. Massive Metro and Victor's late. Bolt for Brilliance. Sacred Mountain's in for the fight. 50 to go. Bolt for Brilliance. Cheer for a champ. Bolt for Brilliance. The Row Cup winner's back. And what a huge way to start his new campaign. Sacred Mountain second now. It's We're about to talk a WA harness racing.
450 and Leverage O still in front by three metres to jumping Jack Mack and Mighty Ronaldo. Four deep is letting go with a good run. On the inside Stamford Azana. Blitz and by and then Tenzig Bromack who looks too far back to the turn they run. 28-7 the next quarter. Leverage O. Mighty Ronaldo swooping up out wide. Jumping Jack Mack is back in the centre. Then Stamford and Fimbara is coming from a long way back in the straight. Leverage O in front. Mighty Ronaldo and jumping Jack Mack. They're trying their heart out. Leverage O in front. He has got a heart as big as himself. He's strong. He's good and he races away. Leverage O won brilliantly from uh, jumping Jack Mack, Marty Ronaldo and fourth. There was a four-year-old championship at Gloucester Park last Friday night. You've always been a fan, Matty, haven't you, of Leverage O? But there was a bit of fireworks at the start there, wasn't there? There was. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. Good morning to you, Steve, and everyone tuned in. Um, yeah, Aiden DeCampo is one of the best gate drivers in the state, probably one of the best in the country. Uh, he's just... He's got a, a knack of being able to cross from wide gates at Gloucester Park. And, um, yeah, he surprised everyone with Stanford, who has got some speed. But Labrador Joe was just caught unaware a little bit. And Chris Lewis had to work him off the peg. So he had to run that lead time really solid and then continue throughout. And what we saw at Pinjarra when he won the four-year-old classic there, he just uh, got a little bit tired late and he didn't look overly impressive for a horse who was able to lead in a horse of his calibre. But on Friday night, he was uh, strong from pillar to post and I thought he was outstanding. And he's he's coming on through the preparation really well and Ray Jones outlined that he thought that he was going to be a lot better on Friday night and uh, the performance really showed that. Yeah, that horse at cross, punters were screaming at it early, weren't they, Stanford? It was a massive odds, wasn't it? Um, 101 chance, $126 it was at crossed early. Um, yeah, he cost, uh, he cost me the first four because he hung on for four because I didn't have that in, in my uh, calculations. And Anyway, that's that's punting and that's racing because it's uh, nothing's, nothing's certain, but I thought it was going to be a pretty easy one to be able to get and it turned out not to be. What about some of these other top liners, some of your top free-for-allers like your Magnificent Storms and so on? When are they all going to race again, Matt? Uh, we should see Magnificent Storm race again very soon. Uh, his last run was outstanding in the uh, Brennan Memorial and uh, he's got a decent preparation coming up ahead with the, the Pacing Cup, the Fremantle Cup and also the Nullarbor. So I think they're going to space his runs a little bit more and um, he does thrive on racing so he'll probably race more than your average free-for-aller going forward but uh, just to make sure he's all screwed down but he's um, he's a horse that has got a long preparation where we're talking it's end of November now and he'll be racing until the, the middle of April so uh, until maybe the end of April so uh, he's got a long preparation ahead so not too concerned that we haven't seen him since the Brennan Memorial. Matt looking forward to this program there's a really interesting horse here I want to ask you about that's got a sequence of wins next to its name a winning machine for Gary Hall senior and junior called Prince of Pleasure it's drawn off the second row but this horse came from New Zealand Prince of Pleasure um, he's so very talented, this horse. He's probably untapped, and we don't know how good he is, but um, he's, he's had sustained three leg injuries, three tendons, so he's a day-to-day proposition, and I think they're just enjoying that uh, he can perform at the top of his game. And uh, what he's shown so far, he could be the real deal, but um, I'd like to see him keep winning, which he's undefeated since being in WA, and Look, he looks the winner again tomorrow night. That's uh, that's a given, but he'll be a good thing's price. But he should win like a good thing. He was so impressive winning uh, last start at Gloucester Park. Horses just shouldn't be able to do what he did 
so effortlessly. So uh, yeah, he's a really exciting horse, and I know that uh, Hall Senior has got the got the idea of heading towards the Nullarbor with him, and uh, maybe even a Fremantle Cup and Pacing Cup if he can prove himself. But I think the long-term aim is the Nullarbor, which would be really exciting to see him get there because. He's got that raw ability and a real X factor. You're not wrong. And you talk about last start winner. The reason it was so good, he sort of had to sustain a long run, didn't he, from back in the field and circled them. Yeah, he's been a horse that he's got a lot of high speed. We've seen that. And he's been able to rely on his high speed to sort of get him out of sticky situations. But he was three wide from the 1,200 in the 1,700-metre race and or about the 1,100. And um, he really sustained the run down the back straight they saw him coming they tried to beat him down the back but junior didn't move on him and he just dashed on by with such ease and junior just sat up for the photo and he careered away and won so um i think it was about dollar fifty dollar sixty that night and looking back on it that was massive overs because i don't think we'll see that price about him again in the next four or five starts i'll be well and truly in bed by the last race at gloucester but this is a terrific race uh with a tricky rick speaking of the horse stable it's won three in a row this campaign tricky rick and you've got this smart horse returning midnight assassin in the last yeah midnight assassin look uh, i called him in a trial recently and um i'd say he's going to need the run looking at him he was quite burly in his trial and um, looks like he'll definitely derive plenty of benefit from that trial and a subsequent track work and going into this race run. The one in that I actually thought would run a really good race is Ace Commander, who stuck on really well behind Soho Dow Jones uh, in a trial and just got tired late, which you expect a horse first up, especially a trotter up against a pacer. But uh, he's got the front line drawn. I thought he could run a cheeky race. Last preparation, he was expected to uh, be as good as Tricky Rick. And Tricky Rick's last run was just OK. So if anyone's going to upset the apple cart of Hall Senior and Hall Junior in the last, I think it could be Ace Commander. All right, Ace Commander. And, yeah, Tricky Rick's off 30 metres uh, in this race. Normally safe away? Yeah, Tricky Rick's normally safe away. He has Midnight Whisper in one of his three wins in the state. He actually beat... Tricky Rick because uh, Tricky Rick galloped hopelessly. So he has got the ODS stamp next to his name, but Junior's been stepping him uh, pretty well. I think they're just not rushing him. And uh, I think on that occasion, it was all about trying to get the jump on Midnight Assassin. So I think Junior won't be too concerned. He'll just try and uh, get him away safely. And then he's got the He's got the race fitness over some of his main rivals tomorrow night. We mentioned, well, you mentioned Stanford Cotcher, the first four crossing Laverage Joe with that gate speed last week. Gee, it's in an easy race, a much easier assignment. Drawn well, Stanford in the third. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, th- that is a very fascinating race. El Chem is a horse who has been known to do things wrong in the past. He's racing so well, but Stanford is a very quick beginner, as we saw last week. He's probably quicker off the track than he is drawn in close, but. Uh, I think Aidan DeCampo will really rush out hard to try and cross El Chema at the start or at least put pressure on him going into that first turn to really test out. He's, uh, he doesn't wear hobbles, El Chema. He's a three-legged pacer. And uh, that can be a little bit tricky for horses if they can get a little bit unbalanced and then they go off stride. So Aidan DeCampo will be uh, yelling and screaming and doing everything he can to try and get around uh, El Chema and if Stanford leads I think he'll win so yeah I think he can get the win tomorrow night. Alright that's Stanford race three to Emily Savalco of course on our driving uh, El Chema there uh, from the inside so your best bet you mentioned Stanford there you're going to have something on it is there a couple of others there? Oh, it all depends price dependent Steve on um, how you play the meetings uh, but there is a market available for the free for all race 
And Diego, I thought, was he's been racing in probably career best form, and numerically it doesn't really show. I thought he could press forward and be pretty strong in this race and be driven aggressively, and I thought he'd be too good for him. He's about even money, so I think he's the way to go in race number four on the card. So race four, number five, Diego is my best on the card. All right, race four, number five. I see that to Wild West and uh, Patrona Star uh, are in the market there, aren't they, as well? And, and Gambit off, a, off an awkward draw. $7 chance or thereabouts. Thanks for that, Matt. Cheers, mate. Matty Young, uh, thanks to Garrard's.